You guys glad to be here? Super Showdown! Woo! Awesome! Welcome back. Welcome to all of our campuses. This is one of the biggest games of the year. Welcome to God Behind Bars. By the way, last week, Morgan County, I said that I would come live. If they got 150, they had 149. And one of the guys went out and drugged someone else in. So I'm coming, Morgan County. Can't wait to see you guys. But now, Bledsoe, where you at? Come on, you cannot let Morgan County. So come on, man, let's get cranked up over there. Welcome, it's so good. If you're joining us this weekend for the first time, this is not normal. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering, we've had people pee on themselves. There's been a lot, really need riot gear this weekend. But it is great to have you. We love Super Sunday. We love, we love worship. We love God. We love to connect with God. See, our God is creative. Matter of fact, church worship is the most creative gathering on the planet because the Bible starts with, in the beginning, God created. And so we love to laugh. The Bible says that laughter does good like a medicine, and so we love to do that. So we're thrilled you're here. It has been my great joy to be able to, as the pastor, to get to lead this movement called Faith Promise for over 22 years. But my greatest privilege, the greatest joy of my life, is being a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and a friend of God. Come on, somebody. Somebody. Because the scripture says that if you're a believer, you're a friend of God. Jesus said it to the disciples in John chapter 15, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you what? For all things that I've heard my father, I've made known to you. Jesus goes on in verse 16 and said, you did not, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And so Jesus is the ultimate champion. Jesus is the head coach. And Jesus has picked you to play on his field of faith in his game of eternity. So we are absolutely blown away and blessed by God because he wanted us on his team. Would y'all agree with that? And so now, if we're going to win a championship... If you ever watch the game, one of the things that is absolutely vital is the scoreboard. Everybody's watching the scoreboard. This is a Jesus scoreboard moment. Because when the game is over, when it, everybody is looking to the scoreboard. Like last year, if you were here, when I spanked the rookie last year, the scoreboard reflected the brutal beating that he took. No, sirree. Memory's failing. Pastor Zach's <laughs> challenging the last statement that Pastor Chris Can't won the it. showdown He's last year. After review, we've determined that Pastor Chris's baby boomer friends had no idea what Facebook or Instagram were. Therefore, they were unable to vote, and he is therefore declared the winner. Oh, come on! Pastor Chris will continue. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Now, before I was so rudely interrupted by the red flag... The scoreboard matters. And when the game is over, the scoreboard won't change. And when the game of life is over, there will be some that will win and there will be some that will lose for eternity. Now, what we know is that right now we have the opportunity to respond to the gospel, to say yes to Jesus, provide him in our heart and life, and have a relationship with him that will usher us into heaven. We also know this, that the scripture is clear that God not only wants a relationship with you, but every single person that you know, your family, your friends, coworkers, teammates. Matter of fact, actually everybody that you come in contact with, 
God wants an intimate relationship. And so we're at Faith Promise. We're about real people with real problems finding the real love of God. But we can never forget the scoreboard. Never forget the scoreboard. Many of us live life by our feelings. I'll ask people, how, how are you in the Lord? I feel like we're doing pretty good. Have you ever heard that? I feel like. Well, you know, you can feel like you're winning, but if the scoreboard says you're losing, you're losing, right? And so it's not about feelings. It's about the scoreboard. And Jesus said in John chapter 15, I'm the true vine, the head coach. My father is the vine dresser. God is the owner of the universe. Every branch, every player in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch, every player that bears fruit, that runs my plays, he prunes it, develops it, strengthens it. Why? So that it may bear more fruit. So we know that part of the win on God's scoreboard is bearing fruit. So let me ask you a question. Are you bearing fruit? Are you following Jesus? Are you helping others get on God's field and play God's game? In the next three weekends, we're going to take God's playbook and we're going to look at God's true scoreboard and see how we are really doing with what God has called us to do. Matter of fact, we're going to learn to light the scoreboard up. It's something every one of us needs, right? Are we all going to stand before God? The scripture is clear. It's appointed a man wants to die after this, the judgment. And so it's time for us to get in and get on the new rivers and the new roads to experience all that God has for us. But we've got to watch the clock on the scoreboard. Matter of fact, the great coaches are always looking at They know how to manage the clock and win in the last two minutes or the last 30 seconds. The good quarterbacks know they're watching straight past the goals. They see the game clock and they're watching. And something we've got to do is manage the clock. God said, the psalmist said, teach me to number my days, O Lord, that I might present to you a heart of wisdom. So we are to know and realize that the clock is ticking down that we never know how long that we have. So if God were to peel back the clouds and God were to reveal to you today your scoreboard, if you're listening, say I am. So God reveals to you your scoreboard and you look at the scoreboard and you say, oh my, I have seven days left to live. Let me ask you a question. Would you change the next seven days if you knew they were your last seven? Oh, really? See, you know what we need at Faith Promise? We need a double dose of urgency. We need a supernatural injection of urgency because the clock is ticking down. We need to share with our friends like it matters. We need to invite people to church like it matters. Am I talking to somebody this weekend? We need to love our family like it matters. People need to know that it matters because the clock is ticking and we have no clue because we cannot see God's cane clock. We get glimpses of how we're supposed to win, but we let's kick it in. Let's leave this day. Let's begin to live this day like it could be our last. Let's love this day like it could be our last. Let's serve our commander. Let's serve the head coach 
Man, let's, let's put a smile on the coach's face and let's play the game with all the power, all the fire, all the anointing, all the Holy Spirit, all the urgency, all the burden, everything that we can muster up. Let's make our coach proud. Let's live it. Let's love it. And let's rock it. That's the end of the first quarter. TV timeout. Pastor Zach will begin the second quarter. Booth operator, set the clock to eight minutes and begin on my whistle. Uh, you guys ready to turn this thing up? You guys ready for the second quarter? Come on. Come on. Hey, guys. Guys, but seriously, can we give some honor to our students? Do we not have a great senior pastor? We love him so much. He does so much for us. Um, if you haven't read New Rivers, New Roads yet, unbelievable. But I've been traveling campuses on Wednesdays, Farragut on Sunday, and you've been signing those books Old Man River. Is that because of the New Rivers, New Roads thing, or is that because of the... What is this, a Tom Brady? You just get to look at him? Illegal contact. Pastor Zach, honor your father and your mother. I honor my mother. And your senior pastor Come on. as well. All right, all right, all right. I don't know why he emphasizes senior so much, but that's a question for your meeting with him, senior pastor. Okay. Um, hey, we, we, I cannot wait uh, on what God does. I can obviously see this is going to be much like uh, an actual Patriots game where I have to beat the Patriots and the referees, but that's okay. I'm all right. Lord, give me some strength. I also appreciate you guys uh, holding your holding your booze and any any gagging noises. That pastor would be so bold to wear a Tom Brady jersey in Manning Country, but again, that's not mine. Again, to bring I don't want to bring that up either. So your car is being towed. Okay, so NFL NFL viewership across the nation has dwindled this year uh, for for multiple reasons. But let's talk about something bigger. There's something else that in recent years has been dwindling, and that is the Capital C Church. And when I say Capital C Church, I'm talking about the church across the world, but especially in America. The Capital C Church, the church is dwindling. And this should put such a burden on our hearts. And when I say burden, I'm not talking about an ethereal, fictitious burden. I'm talking about a literal almost to the point of a physical burden that we feel that we should carry ourselves. Everything else is going to fade away. Everything else that you invest in, whether it be a bank account, whether it be property, whatever, everything else that doesn't have eternal value will be gone one day except for the church. This is something that we should feel a burden for. And my deepest desire, my deepest desire is if you get anything out of this quarter, is it the burden that Jesus gave us? The burden that Jesus gave us whenever he died on the cross and left us to play this game for eternity, he gave us the burden that is a blessing. The burden that Jesus left us with is an absolute blessing. But the church is shrinking because too many of us have relegated our burden to pastor. Too many of us have relegated our burden to somebody else. And too many saints have their butts on the bleachers. Too many of us have moved our behinds to the sidelines, and we hope that somebody else will do it. But that is not the life that called us for. He has called us for a life of burden. I want to do one of the things that I do best and jump off pastor's shoulders. I may step on his head a little bit today. But, okay, and he referenced a, a, a book, John 15. I want to reread something he said, John 15, verse 2. Every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Let me ask you this. Do you ever feel cut off from God? Do you ever feel cut off from God, right? Whenever you pray, you feel like you're just talking to yourself. Do you ever feel like you've been benched or cut from his team all together? I know that I've felt that way. I believe that anybody who's honest would say they felt that way at one time or another. But please hear me. That is not the life that Jesus wants you to live. That's not the feeling he wants you to have. There's two reasons that somebody may feel that way. Number one, you've denied the draft. 
That means you've never accepted Jesus to be your head coach, never, never given your life to him, which we'll talk about that a little later. And God wants you on his team so bad, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. But for the vast majority of us here today at Alton Campus, the reason that we feel cut off from God's team is because we've passed on practice. Because we're not being productive. Because we're not, we're not seeing the ball move down the field. And Jesus, the mission, the game plan that he left us with was so important that he gave very distinct sidelines. And if you wander off and out of those sidelines and you're playing on a field that you've made for yourself because it's more comfortable, because you like it better, because you can have your own priorities, then yes, you are going to feel distant, maybe disconnected, and maybe even disowned by God. But that is not the life he's called us to live He's called us to live with a burden. And this right here is how our burden should spark. The gospel in you isn't just for you. Let that sink in. The gospel in you, the reason Jesus saved you is because he wanted you, but it's not just for you. It's for something bigger. This right here, this was Jesus' plan from the very beginning. As always, he wanted the gospel in us to not just be for us. We see that in the final play that he called what, before he went to coach from the press box of heaven in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you to the end of the age. That last sentence should be another reminder that if we feel consistently distant from God, that we're not running the design plays that God called us for because he promises he'll be with us. There are some things we do well, right? We see people baptized all the time at Faith Promise, and that's phenomenal. But if we want to take ground, if we want to see God move in a mighty way, does anybody want to see God move in an incredible way? I know you do. Then we have to start making disciples. We have to start making disciples. That's what we're going to talk about all throughout February. Do not miss a week. But before we get into the how, we have to talk about the why. Because making disciples is hard. Going against the grain of this world is difficult. And we have to have a strong why to keep us moving. We have to have a strong why for us to stay in the gap and say, I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to negotiate, devil. I'm going to keep on pushing. And our motivation and our foundation is our burden. It's that burden, of, that blessed burden that Jesus gave us. And Jesus handed it to us. And Jesus handed it to us in a heavy way. See, Jesus, he had that burden. Jesus took that, his burden took him all the way to the cross. Actually, let, let me read this to you because that, that final play he called, it says, go therefore and make disciples. But every time there's a therefore, you have to stop and see what it's there for. That, in Matthew 28, 18, it says, when Jesus came to him, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. He has, he has all of it. And he came and he handed it to us. He didn't say, let's stop the show, let's celebrate me, I'm awesome. He, Jesus didn't ask for a Super Bowl ring. That's not what Jesus asked for. Jesus gave us the ball and asked us to run with it. That's what he did. And the reason that he did that is because he wanted to see people come to know him. He knew people coming to know him was more important. The ball that he gave us to run with, that's the ball of a burden. It's the ball of that blessed burden. That was what God has called us to do. I do not want to get to the end of my life and realize my, my life has been some fancy halftime show that put no points on the board of eternity. I want my life to be so much more than that. I want it to be a game well fought where people's lives were never the same. Faith promise. All ten campuses. We have ten campuses. We have almost as many campuses as Jesus had disciples. What could God do if we had that burden? So with my last 40 seconds, what I want to do is I want to pray for a burden. 
Because this is a gift from God. It's a different way to see the world. And whenever you see the world with that burden, the usual things that stress you out, they will fade away. When you think about heaven and earth, uh, bills don't seem that big a deal. Stress doesn't seem that big a deal. So if you want that burden, would you raise your hand? Let me just pray for you right now. God, hands all over the room. We pray for a burden. Holy Spirit, rain down on us. God, let us see the world different. Let us not see people at the grocery stores, people who are slowing us down, but people who need you. God, let us see our friends as people who we fight for their marriage. Let us see the next generation as people who are yoked with the bondage of, of pornography and of addiction. And let us fight for them, God. Give us a burden. Give us that blessed burden. And let us go take it back from the enemy. Let's make him hurt for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. That's the end of the second quarter. Pastors, please clear the field for halftime. Pastor Chris will begin the third quarter. Operator, please put eight minutes on the clock and begin the countdown at my whistle. You guys enjoying that? Come on. Again, if you peed in your pants during the halftime show, we apologize for that. We just, you know, just again, you never know what's going to happen here. Now, we, we were talking about clock management, and clock management matters. The scripture says to, man, we've got to be alert. We don't know what day or hour our Lord's coming back. We are told to be sober, to understand the times and see what's going on. And we need to make the play that counts. And one of the plays that counts is this year getting in on the new rivers of God's provision, drinking from those, and walking the new roads that God, that God has of following his vision. Now, since we're talking about football, uh, let me use the football illustration. Both my boys played football. Mike and Zach, they, they played for the Carnes Mighty Mighty Beavers. And uh, Carnes High School, they played for 12 years. Not all 12 at the high school. Zach played for only seven at the high school. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no flag there, huh? <laughs> Weird. Uh, please cut his microphone off. And uh, so. But they were both incredible football players. Zach played for 13 years, and Micah played for 12 years. They started together. And they were great players, but for different reasons. Micah was an incredible, just gifted athlete, did things on the field that nobody could believe. It was, it was, it was incredible. Zach, on the other hand, was a great athlete, but his, what he brought to the field is discipline. He brought coachability. He brought talent. He brought his leadership, and he brought an incredible attitude. So Zach ends up being the captain of Carnes football team. He's a middle linebacker, so he runs the defense. Micah, they created a position for <clears throat> because he didn't want to go where the coach told him. So he, he literally, his senior year, they called him a defensive rover. His junior year, he finished as the top five, one of the top five defensive tackle, defensive ends in the state of Tennessee. Prep Extra had him. But again, because the coach knew he's going to go wherever, they just let him. So he just went where he thought the ball was going. A great nose, an incredible tackler. And, and so sometimes he's in the right place, sometimes he wasn't. Zach was always in the right place because Zach knew the plays. Zach was run, calling the plays. And so whether he was where the ball was or not, he was where he was supposed to be because he was coachable, because he listened. Now, is Jesus the coach? Does he call the plays? then we've got to listen and obey the coach. Matter of fact, one of the things that we've got to do is we've got to put the go back in gospel. And that's why we do things different. Some people, if you're brand new, you're thinking, what has ha what's happening to me? 
man, I, I've been in church before, but it's not like this. And we got that. Because we want to reach people no church is reaching. So we're willing to do what no church is willing to do. Amen? So that's what we do. So, so as a, anybody, anybody born again in any of our campuses this weekend? Okay. So that means that you're running the plays that Jesus is calling. And part of his scoreboard, part of winning is John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, anybody love him? If you love me, then you're going to run my plays. You're going to keep my commandments. You're going to know and do and live the word of God. That's why in the next series, we're going to spend three weekends looking at God's playbook and exactly what Jesus wants us to do. Because many of us feel like we're doing okay, but feeling like in what the head coach says many times is different. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at exactly what, not what the American church says needs to be done, but what the Word of God, Jesus, calls every Christ follower to do. So I want to challenge you, be here, be in your place, don't miss a weekend. If you're off on travel, go online or online campus and don't miss it. Amen? Because you want to win. Now, let me, let me call an audible. I want, to, I want to shift. It's not where we had planned on going, but just God gave me a thought to sort of conclude my part. Now, God's the owner, right? Jesus is the head coach. I, as the, as the pastor, I'm a position player. I'm not the coach. I play a role in the body of Christ. I'm gifted, and, and I play the role that he's called me to play. And one of the roles that I love to play, one of my favorite roles, is the role of a dad. Is being faith, Micah, and Zach's dad. And then the th- their three spouses that, you know, are now my kids as well. And I love being a dad. I also love being a spiritual dad. And that is loving people that I've got to win or impact with the gospel and the kingdom of God. So I love the role of a dad. So here's what I'm going to do. This, this is the shift in the game. I want all votes to go to Pastor Zach. Because, see, listen, a real father revels in the success of his kids more than his own. Does that make sense? So, it, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 15 and 16, for if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you be imitators of me. And just as, as a father that I long for and revel in the success of my kids, as a spiritual dad at Faith Promise, I revel and pray for and look for your success more than my own. Because success from, from a spiritual father's perspective is for you to achieve your full potential, for you to be on the, on the, on the field playing the way God has called you to play. See, it just, it's just a little glimmer of what the Heavenly Father wants for us. Amen? See, that's, that, that's, what a, that's what a dad does. And I need to tell you, so many of you thousands of promisers, I am so proud of the men and the women of God that you're growing into. Man, and I, I believe that comes straight from heaven because so many of you are so committed. I'm so proud of you. And I want so much for you. And yet as the game clock ticks, the seconds tick until we enter eternity, until this game is over, 
Man, I am, I'm interceding for you every day, praying for your family. If you have kids, for your kids, for your marriage, for your ministry, for your group. Praying that you will feel and experience and just be baptized in the favor, in the smile, in the presence of God. Does that make sense? Because, see, that's what a dad wants for his kids. He wants them to succeed. See, I'm not about competing with Zach. I'm about completing Zach. Because that's what a dad does. And so, if you will sell out to the kingdom of God, if you'll sell out, you'll live, John 10, 10, the abundant life that Jesus bought for us on the cross. And he is a coach that proved his love and his worth because he is a coach that didn't get paid to coach us. He is a coach that gave his life on a cross that we could be saved and we could get on his field. We serve the resurrected champion. We serve, as Isaiah said, the dread champion. Come on, somebody give God some praise in the house. Delay a game, Pastor Chris. That's the end of the third quarter. TV timeout. The previous play is under review. Pastor Zach is challenging that Pastor Chris actually completed the act of drinking with his water bottle. <clears throat> Does that make sense? And so what happens? Hold that thought. Oops. After review, Pastor Chris did not complete the act of drinking the water in his water bottle. Therefore, that'll be the end of the quarter. We'll begin the fourth quarter with Pastor Zach on my whistle. I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to be able to stand before you guys today. If you guys wonder why I use the headset, it's because these are too heavy for them. But that's neither, that's beside the point. Um, I went ahead and had a uniform change. I feel like you guys deserve the best. And I put this on, you know, just as kind of a, uh, you know, as to do the funeral of your chances of winning. But uh, so far, we have covered, we, that was better before you hold did the whole points thing. But let's keep on going. All right. Um, so far, we've covered the scoreboard, we've covered the burden, and we've covered being spiritual fathers and mothers, being able to pour into each other's life, and that's what God has called us to do. I pray that so far that you have felt some motivation to move to your position on the field of eternity, that you have, you have felt a desire, a burden, a pull to pick up the responsibility that Jesus died to hand to you. Because as Pastor pointed out, the most important thing on the scoreboard for us right now is the time. And we will not have all the time in the world. Time will run out at some point. And building the kingdom is a priority that's so big, we have to gang tackle it together. It's something that we have to pursue, we have to fight for together. But I want us to get on the same page. Jesus used the, the game plan of groups, and I believe that we're called to do the same thing. And again, we're going we're gonna to launch into that in February. But let, let's do a little bit more learning on, on the why, right? And so I, I think it would be helpful to look at the three different phases of football. Uh, in, in football, there's defense, offense, and special teams. I really believe that we can find ourselves, how we live our day-to-day -day life, in these three phases. I'd love to start with defense. And unfortunately, I really do believe that the, most of us spend the majority of our time on 
defense. When it comes to our personal life, we play defense to try to make sure that we need to keep our convenience. We try to keep our happiness, right? Maybe you have something that you love and you like to do, but, but it's, it's not healthy for you. And maybe, maybe it's a sin altogether, but you get defensive if somebody tries to get in the way of that. And we even bring that to church. If somebody parks in your spot or sits in your seat, right, or maybe you got shot with a confetti can. I don't know. It's something. If, if these things happen to us that we don't like, we tend to get defensive, right? And so, but, but I think more importantly, when it comes to our personal relationship with God, that's too often we're playing defense. When the Holy Spirit impresses on us, hey, why don't you talk to that person? But you're worried about what might happen. Hey, why, 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 don't, you, why don't you start getting on the generosity journey? Why don't you join a group? But we get defensive. We have all the reasons why we shouldn't do it. But can I just tell you this? I believe this is the word straight from God. I loved playing football. I loved playing defense. But you know who the funnest people were to hit? The people going half speed. You know who got hurt the most on the football field? The people going half speed. And if we live our Christian life worried about the repercussions, then we will end up with a concussion. When you fear a repercussion, you end up with a concussion. And there's too many saints, there's too many people across all ten campuses where you, you try, you say, okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to live for God. And you got earholed by the devil, by an addiction or by a failure, and you just decided it wasn't for you. We, that's not how we're called to live. We're called to live at absolute full speed. Can I, can I tell you this? Defense may win championships on the football field, but defense, is never, defense never wins people out of hell and into heaven. We cannot be known by our defense, faith promise. We cannot be known by our defense. We need to be known what we're for, not what we're against. When somebody thinks of faith promise, when somebody thinks of church anywhere around us, they should think of judgment. They should think of love. They should think of a, an aggressive pursuit by people who want them to experience what Jesus, yeah, amen, what Jesus talked about. In John 10, 10, like Pastor referenced. So we, we have to take that so seriously. We, we cannot be on defense. We need an offense. In Matthew eleven twelve, 12, it actually says this. From the days of the John the Baptist until now, uh, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. This right here, when I read it, it fires me so up to think that the devil is being more violent towards the next generation than we are. That he's being more violent in pursuit of wives than husbands are. That he's in more violent pursuit of tearing us out of God's hands than we are putting our friends and families into God's hands. It's time for us to have a high-powered offense. It's time for us to get aggressive. Because on defense, you may score a lucky point every once in a while. You may get a good scoop and score. You may get a quick pick six or something like that and score. But by and large, you need to be on offense to score. Now, and, and again, we do not know how much time we have left Depending on, depending on the time, that will depend on what kind of offense a team in football run, whether they run the ball or they pass. But we need to be reminded of this. Matthew 24, 14 says this right here. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This should be the only halftime speech we ever need as Christians. And then the end will come. When the end comes, there'll be no witnessing. When the end comes, there'll be no more inviting to Easter. When the end comes, there'll be no more getting that bitterness out of your heart, forgiving that person. It'll be dead and gone. And so we have to be on offense. And not only on offense, an aggressive offense. We don't have time to run the ball. See, whenever, whenever you want to do this Christian life on your own because it's convenient, when you want to do this Christian life on your own because you don't, you, you don't want to have to depend on other people or whatever it might be, you're just running the ball. 
But I don't know about you. I've got friends and family who need Jesus, and we need an aggressive offense. We need to pass the ball. We need to be in groups. We need to be pouring into people. And I know it's inconvenient. And I know you have to give up another night of the week, and you have to take the risk on maybe people letting you down or whatever it might be. But that's what we saw Jesus do, right? Jesus passed the ball to those group of disciples for three and a half years of ministry, right? They bobbled passes. They let them down. Sometimes they even dropped the ball on purpose so they didn't take the hit. But Jesus knew it was so important to advance the kingdom that Jesus felt the pressure of sin and delivered us the perfect pass, that pass of salvation, that pass of a burden, that pass of winning our friends and family to Jesus. We have to have an offense, faith, promise. Just as a, uh, to, to wrap this up, let's talk about the last phase of football, special teams. That's kickoff, kickoff, return, punt. In any of these uh, facets of the game, if you don't play it to your best, you'll, you'll lose the game every time. But when it comes to special teams, I just want to talk about one facet. We cannot punt. Whenever we punt, we punt our power. Whenever we punt, we give the, we give the ball back to the enemy. And we, we don't have time to do that. In Romans 6.23 it says this, For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. When we punt, we're putting the ball back in death, death's hands. Every time we let our friends and family walk away and you feel an impression that you're supposed to pray for them, you're supposed to love on them, you're supposed to pursue them, we punt the ball, we punt the power back to death. And we don't have the time, we don't have the margin to do that. We have to get aggressive. That's why we want to be in groups. That's why we want to pour into people. See, in the NFL, there's very strict rules. Unless you're Tom Brady, then there's no rules. But for everybody else, there's these rules, right? And, and, and see, here's the deal. But, but remember, Jesus has all the authority. That means we, we don't have to play by the, the world's rules. We don't have to live by stress, anxiety, depression. We get to live in freedom because Jesus died to give it to us. But let me tell you this right here. We can also do what I call make it, take it. See, whenever you play football in the backyard, you get to do something called make it, take it. And that's when games can get out of hand. That's whenever you score, you get the ball back. Whenever we get into small groups, we pour into other people, we put others before ourselves, we get into groups, groups multiply ministry. Faith promise, it's time for us to take the game back. Faith promise, it's time for us to run up the score. Faith promise, it's time to snatch people out of hell with a high-powered offense. It's time for us to pursue our friends and family. Amen. It's time for us to take this game back and make the devil hurt to beat him to sleep. It's time for us to have an offense. Let's go. That's the end of the fourth quarter. The showdown has ended in a tie. Therefore, by rule, the home-filled pastor receives a sudden death over time. Pastor Chris. Sudden death. You know what happens every day? We know not what the day may bring forth. Boast not thyself in tomorrow. You know, the scripture that Pastor Zach used, the wages of sin is death. Have we all sinned? We've all failed. We've all missed the mark. We've all missed the glory of God. And because of that, the wages, the payment for our sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And for any who are ready to reach out and receive... Jesus is ready to save. He's ready to draft you onto his team, and he's ready to put you onto his field of faith, where instead of playing for the world, instead of playing for self and glory, we pray, we play, we pray to, we play for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He died on a cross to cover your sin. He rose from the grave to give us the power to live an abundant life that he bought for us. If you're ready to have your sin forgiven, if you're ready to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, dipped in the blood of Jesus and written in, then he's ready to write it. If you're ready to turn away from your old life and turn to faith and put your faith in Jesus, <clears throat> then he's ready to save you. 
So at every campus, with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to pray this simple confessional prayer. And so we're going to pray it out loud with you. Just pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I've fumbled the ball. I am so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my coach. You died for me. You rose from the grave. And now I will play for you forever in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, it's a Super Bowl party. As people have said yes to Jesus, by mercy, we win. We win. If you just opened your heart to Jesus, we'd love to help you. In front of you, there's a communication card in the seat back pocket. If you would pull that out, give us your name, email, and cell phone, and check the box right there. I prayed. I gave my heart to Jesus today, and we'll follow up. We just want to help you, guess. Again, we, we'd love for you to fill that car, this card out in a minute. When we, when we give our offerings, just the only offering we ask from our guests is just to fill that card, drop it in the, drop it in the box. Now, some of you have been coming, and you said, hey, I'd like to know more. I'd like to find out about how to get more involved. On here, you can sign up for Next Steps. It's next Sunday at all of our campus. It happens the second weekend of every month. If you'll fill that out so they'll have enough food for you, drop it in the drop it in the offering bucket, or you can sign up online. We'd love to have you because we want more players on the team. There can never be enough. Let me tell you, the enemy has pulled out all the stops because the game clock is ticking down. It's time for us to put on the two-minute office, church. Two minutes. Oh, man, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go all out for God. And so if you would, if you fill that out. Now we're moving into time that we call our offering, our worship through giving. 70% of our people have already given online this week. That's how Michelle and I give. But see, God, is God generous? For God so loved the world that God did what? He gave. And he's called us to be generous, not just with our money, but with our mouth, with our life. This week, I got an incredible email from a promiser named Rebecca. She ran into the principal of Beaumont Elementary. Beaumont Elementary is inner city, Knoxville. All of our campuses have adopted schools. It's what the school at Pellissippi adopted. <clears throat> and she said, literally with tears in her eyes, she said, we've never had anybody help like Faith Promise has. She said, Faith Promise feeds the families that don't have food. Faith Promise buys the Christmas gift for kids that wouldn't have Christmas. And they do stuff for the school that we could never get done. Literally just weeping, said, I'm so grateful for Faith Promise. See, the heart of a believer ought to be generous, not just with our money. Honestly, it's easy to write a check. For many, it's harder to give your time, give your verbal affirmation, to give a witness. And so that's what God wants us to do. So I'm going to pray. Ushers are going to come forward. And again, if you're a guest, just drop. This is the only thing we ask for you. God, we're so grateful. We know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And God, we know that you call us to be on the kingdom team, not on ourself, but your team, God. What a privilege to know you, to be chosen by Jesus, to be on the championship team. And now, God, as we give, there could be some people that give for the first time this weekend. Would you just bring a supernatural blessing with that? God, this church, would you take our offerings and would you use it to make it hard to go to hell, not just in East Tennessee, but around the world? Thank you that we can laugh. Thank you that we can have fun. But thank you most for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, Yeshua HaMashiach, 
that we might be able to enter heaven and the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, give him a shout, church, as we get ready to give.